0: Hey, I'm Dave Gerhardt, and you're listening to the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with today's top marketing leaders to talk about what they really do every day. My guest today is Lauren Vaccarello. Hey, Lauren, I'm glad we did it. I ask everybody at the end, so I'm going to ask you, you can think about it later, but I talked to Bill... Bill Masaitis. And he said, he he said, we should have you on the podcast. And so here you are, which is awesome. So why did he say that? What's your Bill connection?
1: Bill is one of my favorite people. So I actually worked for Bill at Salesforce a million years ago. So Bill Masaitis brought me into Salesforce, I think 11 or 12 years ago. And I was part of the team with him who built digital marketing at Salesforce years ago and turned it into what it is. He's been a great friend, a great mentor, just a great person to know over the years. And then after he ended up leaving Salesforce, I took his job running digital there. And we have kept in touch and followed each other around the industry ever since.
0: Love it. Okay. This is, every time, everybody's from Salesforce. If anybody who's any, and that's not true, a lot of people, we just had Sarah from from Twilio on. And so the the Salesforce... The Salesforce mafia is really starting Is really starting to show. Okay, so I, I could go right into the, the regular question, but I think that's actually a, a jumping off point, which is um, what was the role of digital? So I'm interested in this digital thing because I think a lot of companies struggle with demand gen and to ban, demand gen typically goes to digital. And so I'm just interested in like, how do you, what is that role today? Like, can you even say digital, is digital a role? What, how does that fit today?
1: It is, so it's interesting. And when I started in digital at Salesforce, it was such a new concept and a new thing that digital was the the thing that that guy in the back corner in the hallway did. <laughs> it wasn't a, a function, and now years later, digital and demand gen are synonymous because in B two B in particular. And I remember in you know two thousand and eight, somehow we didn't think CIOs or B two B or businesses used the internet. And you couldn't use digital and you would never get a CIO to use the internet for anything. And then since then, we have realized everyone uses the internet. So digital and demand have become in a lot of ways synonymous. So the way I have in my, my team in my org right now, I do have the VP of digital. And oddly enough, she is ex Salesforce as well, because we bring each other everywhere. And she is an absolute force of nature. And the way we look at digital is she runs the website. She runs marketing operations, she runs paid acquisition, she runs SEO, she runs conversion optimization. So she has all of those vehicles. And then I also have a VP of demand gen who is not from Salesforce, who works for me at Box. And she, the two of them partner really, really closely. The VP of demand gen does something totally different though. The VP of global demand looks at things like field marketing, global events, webinars. She will have campaigns and she'll start thinking about all of those different things. These two roles have to work really, really closely together. So as an example, I'll have someone within the demand generation team that runs demand generation for enterprise. And that person will build, what's your campaign strategy? What are you going to do to drive demand for enterprise? And then she'll partner with someone in the digital team and say, this is what we're doing. This is who we're going after. Now my partner on the digital team, how do I use, you know, paid social? How do I use SEO? What do I do to work together? These two functions have to work really closely together. And I firmly believe that once you get to a degree of scale, it's not one person. There are two very, very distinct disciplines and skill sets.
0: Yeah. This is awesome. Did you just make this up by the way? Like,
1: Good artists borrow, great artists steal.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and this
1: here. is 100% stolen. Still like oh, artists. Yeah. Nice. So this was, gosh, I hate that I referenced Salesforce again. Years and years ago, when I was at Salesforce, I was running digital. And then there was a woman that I worked with, Rachel Thornton, who was running demand. And actually, Rachel is now a CMO at AWS. And she is absolutely phenomenal. You should 100% get her on the show. She is one of my all-time favorite people. Okay. And Rachel and I were the, you know, partners in crime for marketing. We were, we, the two of us sourced and influenced every single dollar from marketing at Salesforce Awesome came through one of us. And sometimes I was leading and sometimes, and I was in charge of source and I was leading and her org was supporting. And sometimes she was leading and my org was supporting. And it was such a close partnership and relationship and I learned a ton about integrated campaigns and driving demand in a non-digital way from her and then her work trusted and relied on my org implicitly on what are we going to do from a web digital scale perspective
0: yeah this is awesome people are going to love this because this is a this is a sticking point in every in every marketing org and I haven't been in many of them but but it is which is Demand gen. The the other challenge is, and I I've heard this come up is demand gen often feels like they are doing all of the work, right? Yeah. All of feeling all of the pressure. And so the reason that I love this, and you'll you I, I scribble down notes because it helps. But like the reason that I love this is because what it does is it separates the strategy and the tactics a little bit. And so like the demand gen team has to own they own the plan. Yes. And the plan is a spreadsheet. And in the spreadsheet, there's channels and the channels are SEO, paid, email, events, co-marketing, yep. whatever. Then they, correct me if I'm wrong, then they go and sit down with the VP of digital and say, Hey, here's where we got to grow to next quarter. Yep. Can we grow SEO 30%? Oh, we can. Okay. Here's how we do it. And together they, they execute. So is it like digital is digital is the channels. They're almost the, t- the tactical channel piece of this
1: digital will come in and be some of the channels behind it and digital will sit down with demand and say, okay, you've worked with product marketing. You are looking to target IT decision makers at these types of companies. This is your goal. Here's your messaging. Cool. Here's all of my ideas to get in front of this. And yes. here's what we think we can do. And okay, you've given me this content. You've given me this creative, by the way, your messaging doesn't land here. I run a bunch of testing." come back and give me something else. And what I love about having digital include marketing operations is yes, they're going to come up with, you know, this is how to require customers, but they're going to be lockstep with routing and scoring and conversion. So then it puts that, that onus of the conversion. It's not someone else's problem. If I improve my leads, improve my scoring model, improve my routing model, that all loops all the way back. So everyone gets this deep amount of accountability.
0: Love it. Okay. You're off to a hot start. This is fantastic. We're, we're, we're doing good. We're doing good. So you, we got right into the the meat of this right off the bat. So you have and, and I told you about clips earlier. That's going to be the clip, no doubt. People are going to love that. it will be like this, why this CM, the clips would be like, why this CMO has a VP of digital and VP of demand. People are going to, people are going to like that one. Let's just go into your team then, because you have a VP of digital, you have a VP of demand. So maybe round out the rest of your direct reports.
1: Sure. I have a, a VP of corporate marketing. So my VP of corporate marketing has public relations, analyst, analyst relations, brand, and then creative services and they'll define brand message. They will also do the execution of the, someone needs to put the pictures together and the words on the page and make everything come to life. And that sits in that function. Mm -hmm. So that function is also this interesting mix of sometimes they lead because they're gonna define what the brand message is. They're gonna define what our narrative is. But sometimes they support because someone has to design the event booth and someone has to actually create and produce and I have this absolutely incredible VP of corporate marketing who who runs that and builds that, and he'll sit really closely with, say, the VP of digital because when we rebuild the website, yes, you know, digital is responsible for the website, but they don't have designers. The right. designers are going to sit in corporate marketing, so they have to work really, really closely together.
0: That's three VP of corporate marketing. Okay. You have another product? I
1: VP of international marketing and this one's purely selfish, Uh, International has EMEA marketing and APAC marketing sitting underneath her. A lot of places, and this is always the struggle, is do you have a head of EMEA marketing and a head of APAC marketing? I find it really hard with time zones. I find it really hard with time zones and APAC always gets the short end of the stick because they just can't join in and team meetings are always going to be separate. So we're trying something where we have EMEA and APAC report into one person who runs International I feel there needs to be a seat at the marketing leadership table that just beats us over the head about international. And we can't forget global. We can't forget global. And having both roll up to one person gives me a broader purview. And they get to represent all things non-North America.
0: Yeah. It's almost like it's its own business. It's, it's, it's everything marketing. It's almost like its own business unit. Do yeah. they, do they, is digital, like, does it still, do they have resources though? Like, are, are they share as like, are they using the corporate marketing team in digital?
1: They'll have um, dedicated resources from corporate marketing and from digital that are dedicated to EMEA, to some hard lines, some dotted line. It depends on size and scale, but the EMEA and APAC marketing teams need to be able to function as almost their own, their own world. Do you have more? Yes. Uh, VP of product marketing okay. and you gotta have product marketing. And as
0: a, I was going to say, know, come on, you're from Salesforce. The, the Salesforce playbook is demand gen and product marketing.
1: That's what we do. And the, and then throw in some events or lead with events, but I have great, great VP of product marketing and product marketing is the It's product marketing, it's partner marketing, it's competitive intelligence, it's sales enablement, all sitting under that one piece. And even when I think about demand, demand isn't a series of tactics. Demand gen only works when you've got great product marketing because someone needs to define who's the target audience, who are we going after, what are we selling to them, why does it matter, why do we win and come up with that real positioning and then give it to the demand team and say, this is great. Now, what do we do with this?
0: Mm. How many people are on the team total?
1: In global marketing, there's just under a
0: hundred. A hundred is this the biggest team you've had.
1: I think so. I think this is the biggest team I've had.
0: I'm interested in in your your rhythms, your day to day. How do you work? So you have those five direct reports. That's and it. And right? then
1: I've got one more. Well, one technically more? more. I have sort of a, a PMO chief of staff, but really marketing strategy, sort of all encompassing role, and cool. she keeps the day-to-day rhythm of the team going. She will keep us all accountable. She'll keep me accountable. She can fill in for me. She can fill in for demand gen. She will push us to make sure we're thinking integrated and we are thinking across all of us because she doesn't own a function and she'll lead strategy.
0: That's, did you, where did you get, Who did you steal that idea from?
1: Part of it was the the skill set of the person doing this. Uh, and I've seen chiefs of staff at other companies that are a little bit like an EA. Then I've seen chiefs, a chief of staff that is just.
0: Like an MBA biz ops, like machine. Yeah,
1: completely. And then we have someone on the team that went, you're a great project program manager. You fill in for this. You tell me what to do. And the secret behind great leaders is they usually have somebody that works for them.
0: I'm just, I'm asking cause it's, it's such an awesome idea for, it's such an awesome idea for a role. If you have a five person marketing team, please don't go be hiring a chief of staff, Yeah. but, but at your scale, you know, you, you have to be able to be free to think about the company and the business yeah. and, and the strategy and to have a partner. And, and what's, what's cool about the way that you have this team set up and how you talked about everybody says a lot, obviously, but it almost feels like you have one, two, you, you almost have five future CMOs that are yeah. each of your direct reports.
1: Yep. Yeah. And they all have the ability to, to get there and to take that at different times, but they all have this, this potential. And what's great about everybody and the transparency everyone has with each other is the head of product marketing is learning a ton about demand gen. Because in every leadership team meeting it starts totally. with design and it starts with demand and then our head of EMEA marketing is getting much deeper on product marketing and then everyone's getting deeper on corporate so it's this really good knowledge sharing yeah and then our head of the woman who's running marketing strategy is taking all of our ideas and driving everyone, driving everyone forward and coming up with I've heard this, this, and this now is this where we should be thinking and going
0: This is great I think people people get People get a lot out of this. So hundred person marketing team, you have one, two, three, four, five direct reports. How do you go about setting goals across the team? And I'm interested in, I know you got some type of system and and process. So if you could start with like start with company and then how that how that actually ties to marketing.
1: Great question. So at a company level, we're obviously we're public. So we're gonna think about what are our business metrics. We're going to think about ARR and net retention and what our overall cost of sales and cash flow are. So we'll think about a lot about those things. Marketing needs to partner really really closely with the sales organization. Marketing Wait, needs- quick
0: quick plug by the way, the talk one of the talks that I send out the most I have no SASTR affiliation. So Jason, you're welcome for the free traffic right now. But one of my favorite talks is a talk that you gave at Saster, maybe it was 2016 or 17 about marketing to SMBs and enterprise, which I think is is fantastic. You should go, you should yep. go and look that up as, as homework for on this. But okay, sorry. That's my interruption. Apologies. Back to you.
1: So when we think about goals, so we have all of this split. I am a firm believer that marketing is responsible for pipeline. I was talking to... um an old coworker and someone who used to work for me that has this great new job. And he'd asked me a question about marketing qualified leads. He's like, Lauren, tell me why you always push marketing on pipeline. And when I joined Talent, we were fo- focused on marketing qualified leads. I said, no, we need to focus on pipeline. And my someone who used to work for me called me and asked me this question of why I focus so much on this. And I was like, well, you can tell your, tell your new CMO that marketing qualified leads are a lazy marketers metric.
0: <laughs> it's great.
1: And he's like, I don't know if I could say that directly. I'm like, you can tell him to call me and I'll tell him that.
0: Wait, can we, can we pause on this for a second? What changes happen? Like if you say I am pipeline, marketing should own pipeline, like I think I think everybody agree, in some way they agree with that, but I think where people get stuck is they don't know how to make that happen because they're like, well, we have six people on the blogging team and we're yet we're not sure how the blog impacts pipeline. And so like what decisions, how do you make that decision as a marketing leader? Like if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I am going to become a pipeline marketer no matter what after this podcast, what changes?
1: There's a few things. So part of it is people need to understand how their work contributes to that. And the thing that I will say is, We have a heavy focus on pipeline. It is not the only thing that marketing does. So it is one of our core metrics and it's the thing that I as CMO will get beat up on the most, but it's not all that we do. Marketing sales job is to hit the number today. Marketing's job is to help support sales so they can hit the number later, but it's also our job to make sure the company is set up for success in the long term. that goes so far beyond pipeline.
0: That's really good because it's like, Short-term, you've got to hit pipeline. And you are right. That is a number that no one's going to be beating you up on podcast downloads. But there is no pipeline. You know, there is no tomorrow or two years from now if you can't do both. Exactly. How do you take all these things? Like you just, you've already listed off a million of them. Like, how do you set, is it, I want to know like specifically, like, is it a slide? And you say, hey, this is our scorecard.
1: I have a slide scorecard that will keep marketing. To marketing, also when I report out to the board,
0: do you just pick those things? Like one of them is pipeline, but how do you pick what what's on there?
1: Uh, Part of it's going to be what are strategic initiatives? What are we thinking about? So one thing that we'll think about is something like executive engagement. I am a firm believer in the importance of building relationships with executives, especially as you're in the enterprise and building up. Whether you're building this function or it's an existing function, and it may these key metrics may depend on strategy. So as an example, if building deeper relationships with executives is part of your core strategy for your business, you need to figure out how you're measuring this as a department. And it may end up being number that when you're starting to build this up, it's just a count of how many executive touch points. Once it's a built up robust program, I don't want count, I want impact. So then it's going to be maybe influence pipeline from executive engagements. And you have to think about what's my strategic direction of the company. Realistically, where am I at? If I'm just building an executive programs function, I can't measure success on how much pipeline is executive programs. <laughs> right. You're like, we yeah. just met this CIO, I don't know. Yeah, so. it's like,
0: it's like that, That's where that, that's where I've learned and I've learned that it's okay to set goals that are like, launch executive content program with at least two pieces of content per month in the first half of the year.
1: This is where we're at right now.
0: Yeah. It gives you a guardrail to, it gives you a guardrail to launch it because the the challenge is if you launch it with only a, now, unless it's a direct response channel, but if you launch that thing with only a focus on pipeline, you're never going to generate pipeline from it. You have to build something good.
1: Exactly. And it's like, we have our like business metrics and then we have our leading indicators and the things that it's not today, but marketing is in a unique position. Part of what we need to do is today, but we need to drive for the future. So I'll look at things like number of executive engagements. If I have a focus on thought leadership, well, okay, well, is it media hits? Is it media hits in key publications that I'm looking at? Is it how we're being associated with certain terminology and changing an industry? I still need to pay attention to that. And it's not going to drive pipeline. But if I believe I need to increase awareness, well, how am I going to track this? How am I going to know if I'm moving in the right direction? Pipeline's not the answer. So we'll have this sort of hard number. What are we doing with regards to driving pipeline? In the past, I've looked at things like in past roles, One of my strategic focuses are things like improve operational efficiency and, you know, let's build the foundation. Well, what does that mean? Well, what gets better and faster? And one thing was, well, our MQL to opportunity conversion rate goes up because we've built a better foundation. We've gotten tighter with the SDR organization. We're sending over better quality leads. So I can make that a key metric. The following year, if that's up and running, I don't need to focus on that the next year,
0: yeah. so I, I also like how you broke out. there's business metrics and 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 leading indicators because I think I think what a lot of marketing teams do and I'm guilty of this too is present we we share the leading indicators when in the board meeting, in the executive meeting, really they only care about the business metrics. Yeah now if they're ahead or behind they might want to know why and the leading indicator might be well traffic was way up this quarter because of x but can you give some advice for people who are presenting to execs and and the board because i think a lot of people take they they drown in information i got you lauren i'm talking about we're talking about pipeline and this and that and this channel but then i go and i throw up you know 15 things in a company email and nobody has any idea what the hell marketing is doing
1: and that's exactly what it is and i The way we have right now is I've got three business metrics and three leading indicators. And next year I might have a different set of leading indicators depending on where we're strategies. I
0: like this. So so they're actually like the way you report on them is they're tied. There's a chart that is titled business metrics, boom, 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 leading indicators, boom, boom, boom.
1: Exactly. And it's, you want to beat me over the head about pipeline? Like here's your numbers and we're going to lean into this, but you know what, if we care more and more about building strategic relationships, I have to make sure I'm actually doing that because two years from now, this is going to turn into pipeline. But if I'm not accurately tracking and understanding this today, two years from now is too late. So I will put that in. And whether it's Website traffic isn't a business metric, but website traffic can lead to
0: <laughs> yeah. all of
1: the other outcomes for me. So I'll put website traffic in if that's something we care about. I'll put executive engagements if that's something we care about. I have press mentions in there because we are building up our overall awareness. We're building up where we're showing up in the market. How and did you set that goal? So we actually looked at what we did historically. We're like, this is what we've done historically. What sort of growth am I looking for? And then where do I want specific? Is it about just volume or is it sort of tier one media outlets? And we said, let's define our, which we call our magic circle. What's, what do we care about the most? What have we done historically? And we came in and said, okay, we're going to put a focus behind it. Let's double it. And let's start by doubling it and making that the goal and coming back and seeing, did we set the right number or
0: not? Hey, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to pause and go rewind back because Lauren is a wildly successful CMO. And what she basically just told you is they made up the goal. And this is important. This is, and I'm going to transition. i want to talk about your career in a second, but like, this is important. It's like not every goal is going to be as measurable as pipeline or as a direct response lead channel, but the team came up with something, came up with some metric. We looked at a benchmark, we're gonna benchmark it, we're gonna do a bunch of things. And hopefully next year we'll be able to tell you a different goal and get smarter about it. And I think this has got to be one of like the top three skills to growing your career as a, as a marketing leader. Would you is that a safe assessment of that? To be able to create plans and goals when there's nothing there.
1: Absolutely. And it's and you have to be willing to say, we haven't, especially when you're charting new course, we haven't done this before, we haven't set a target for this we can't just wing it. It's what do we know? You look at a benchmark, you look at historical, you use your best possible information, you give it a go. And then the thing that I've told everyone time and again is we have to be willing to look at what we did and reevaluate. If we are six months into the year or three months into the year and the goal we set was wildly off, you have to be willing to go in and reassess. And sometimes A good example was on our um, media presence. We completely crushed the goal and went. Did we set this? Are we that good, or (laughs) did we set this too low?
0: Well, now you know, but without a benchmark, you don't know. And so now you know what the baseline is, and so the goal is going to be way up next year. Yeah. If you go back to your skills as an individual contributor, I'm I'm trying to. I'm on your LinkedIn LinkedIn profile, but like if you go back, okay. So you talk about at the beginning of this podcast, you work for Bill at Salesforce. If you go back to like rockstar somewhat more individual contributor yeah. lauren to cmo of 100percent org what ha, what change what has to change in you because a lot of people that listen to this are are in that position now they want to be the cmo
1: there's a few things when you go from an individual contributor and you can be the best individual contributor the most precocious person you've got that gets everything and then you switch into management and then you switch into leadership one thing that i look for in people is I and we. an individual talks about I Mm -hmm. a leader talks about we and when someone talks about how they want to get promoted and all of these things if all they do is say I they're not ready for a leadership role
0: no because you don't get any of the credit you just gotta you got it and you don't even do anything you just make plans and budgets and set calendar (laughs) invites anyway so I hear from a lot of people are like ah Dave I just I just how I am I'm just type a I can't I can't let go I think people don't realize that that is the, but that's the job, right? The same way you used to get paid to make great content. Your yeah. job now is to lead the team. It's a different role.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's, but I, I'm the best at this. I just have to go and do this. Well, you don't scale. You have to learn how to scale yourself. And the way you scale yourself is you built a great team. And I'll say my VP of digital and my background is my background's digital, I mean, when I actually used to do work myself and I didn't just go to meetings and do podcasts. So hiring a, a VP of digital, it would be really easy for me to say, I'm the expert at this. I'm going to, I'm the expert and I'll still run this. Yeah. No, I hired Jacinta, who I worked with years ago at Salesforce. And you know what? She's better than I am. She's better than I am at digital. And that's exactly what I want. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want her to be the smartest person and then to hire people who are smarter than her on the individual functions. And that's how you scale is you learn to let go and you realize that it's not about you. It's about hiring and leading great talent because you get more out of them. The other trick of leadership and going into that role that becomes really tricky for people who are super type A, super high performing is... Success is your team's success. Failure is your failure,
0: and you (laughs) all. It's true. It's true. Yeah, that's the harsh reality. Like the "I" and "we" thing is only you know it doesn't apply to like once you've once the team has failed, you have failed because that is your job. That is your sole job.
1: Exactly, and it's I will take accountability for failure. You have succeeded, and Mm -hmm. it's a lesson in humility for a lot of people
0: we just said, we just said, OKRs. I was like, I feel like I need OKRs. And I'm like, no, 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 you idiot. These are all of your OKRs.
1: The department is your OKR.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like you don't need any more. There's no need any more to this. Are there things specifically, though, that you feel like you've done as a marketer outside of the day to day? You know, like here's an example. Like for me, I feel like I really focus on internal communication and getting tight with the CEO. And that was like, that was a way to, you know, circumvent the marketing career loop. But what what I'm curious to to hear those things for you.
1: That's incredibly important. This was actually, I think actually Bill Masaitis gave me this advice years ago and I give it to everyone and still holds true is the more senior you get, the less of your job is about doing. And the more of your job is about communicating, do less, talk more. And as a, as an Mm -hmm. executive, I naturally gravitate to my team and my org and spending a lot of time with them and being really close with them and managing down and being a good leader for them. It's not your job. I mean, it's part of your job, but it is having a great relationship with your CEO, having a great relationship with your peers and the other executives in the org and even a layer below them and having those really strong relationships and having a good relationship with the board And if you are, if you want to do the best you can for your team and your department is you focusing on getting support from your CEO, your support from your CRO, your support from your CTO, getting the board totally excited and bought into what you do. That's how you lead your team because you, your job as an executive is to provide air cover, like strategy, direction, vision, and air cover.
0: Yeah, I love it. Take take notes, but we we send the transcripts out. Don't don't worry. Okay, I got to get you some of these rapid fire ones. I, I went all, right. all off script and okay. and now my producers, which is just me, don't worry about it. They're all in my headphones right now going crazy. What type of team rhythms do you have? So how often do you meet with your direct reports and how often do you meet with the broader team?
1: So I meet with my all of my direct reports on a weekly basis. We have a weekly team meeting. We also have a marketing leadership team only Slack channel, which is where we can constantly stay in touch and communicate. I do twice a quarter department all hands that are a little bit more formal and presentation. Since COVID, I try to do every other week, just fireside chat roundtable. everyone jump on a Zoom if you're free to catch up and ask questions. Also since COVID, it used to be daily. I can't do daily anymore. So now no. it's weekly. I do a, a weekly video to the team and post it on Slack, which is the first four months of COVID I was doing it every day. And now I just, it's, no one wants to hear from me every day. We did
0: Yeah, we did it. We did a daily stand-up at like nine o'clock every day for the first like two or three weeks. And I was like, I think once this became like, oh, this is not like a this is not like a two week break from working. Like this is this is new life. I'm like we're not gonna we can't do this every week.
1: It's exactly when this first started. Like twice a week, I would do <laughs> office hours and I would do these daily videos and we'd have happy hours and then we're like too much, too much. So too much. Did, Nobody. Now,
0: have you done stuff like that with the team, like Zoom? I, I've heard I've got mixed bag. I talked to a lot of people from other marketing teams and it's like some people like doing the zoom team bonding stuff. Some people don't. What, have you done anything with the team?
1: We've done a lot. We did a ton in the beginning and then we sort of dipped off and now we're back. We do weekly marketing yoga classes that are, everything is optional. So if you're free, join, if you're not free, don't join, but we do weekly marketing yoga classes. Somebody um,
0: teach that like on the team? She
1: it. Someone in the team is a yoga instructor. So she teaches the yoga classes every other week. Someone donates her trainer. And we do like, if you're free, do weekly workout. I'm super into exercise and physical fitness. So that pleads into the org.
0: Of course, Yeah, now you don't have to think about it.
1: Exactly. Some of the different teams will do every other week team happy hours just to catch up. When this first started, I used to do lunch with Lauren, where we'd all just totally optional get together and sort of catch up and just talk about life. So we'll do that. So we do try to mix in a lot of the social time because that's what we're all missing is we're missing hanging out with our coworkers. So we try to build in and it's always optional. Come if you want to come. If you're free, we didn't do it for probably a month because everyone was a little burnt out from zoom happy hours and zoom coffees and zoom interactions. And we didn't do it for about a month. And now we're back on it. And everyone's really excited to- That's good. That's good. End.
0: Maybe I got, I got to steal some of that. Do you work with any agencies? And if so, can you name drop any?
1: Yes. When I first joined, we had an agency called Cloud Kettle. They'll help with marketing operations, sales operations. They'll sort of dig into backend systems, technical. They're awesome, awesome guys. I know a bunch of companies in the Valley have used them and we all swear by them. Another company is Outshine. Outshine is great at your like digital acquisition, analytics, super, super, super sharp guys and gals. So the two of them have always been sort of a favorite for me and I've worked with them both before. Uh, and we're using this incredible creative agency to help with some, some work that we're doing right now. Gosh, you know, there are a series of numbers. Let me, I will tell you what the name of the agency is. Is, oh my gosh, they're gonna kill me. They're gonna kill me. They're, the name of their company, it's not 456 or 318 or 151. It's something.
0: Four, I don't even know what it is. Okay, we'll figure it out. You can we'll tell get me. That
1: and we'll link up to it. You
0: can tell me and I'll link up to it. But we're sending too many leads. You don't, They don't need to know who it is. Then they'll go hire, somebody will go hire them and they'll steal all your stuff. Anybody else? Oh,
1: and then one other. Another one that we used to help with messaging was measure.co. It's actually another ex-Salesforce marketing consulting agency. It's measureco.com. It's another ex-Salesforce person who started a marketing consulting shop that does product marketing and demand gen. They'll do your whole messaging stack. They're awesome. And I've used them like three times at
0: different companies. Hey, that's good. Look, there you go. That's a huge measure.co. Good site. Yep.
1: Measureco.com.
0: Oh, a measure. Okay. Measureco.com. So Lauren just hooked you up with a free, me- no, it's not free, but you can go figure out how to get your messaging done. What tools you, you don't have to tell me the whole Martech stack, but what are the, you know, couple pillars of the marketing stack for you today?
1: Salesforce, obviously.
0: Can I ask you a question? Do you get a discount?
1: No. No. You don't.
0: I thought, no. I only yeah. thought of this because, like, I made a joke about this to Sarah and I was like, oh, you get a 20% discount. But I'm actually serious. Like, they're just, they're just like, we're big. You have to use it. And so you're, I mean, you're not going to get it. They'll,
1: they'll always cut us a deal if we call, but it's not going to be anything crazy. <laughs> when I first left Salesforce and I was gone for, you know, a month, the company I went to, their Salesforce contract was up for renewal. And I remember going, Give this to me. I know. I know what their, I know what their discount matrix, look, matrix yeah, looks like. I,
0: you should have baked that into your contract. That have been like first, you know, put this in my comp plan. I would first renegotiate the sales. Exactly. Deal. And
1: I do remember looking at this, going, "Okay, based on our segment and where we're at, our disc, you're at this discount tier. Okay, I know who the approver is going to be to get to a higher tier. So let me call the approver and get our discount bumped up. And I was able to do that, but I'm far enough removed that they would be like, Lauren, you can't do this anymore. Like our discount matrix has changed. You yeah. don't get anything. Ma'am, please,
0: please step, Please do not do this. Salesforce, but what else? People uh, like to hear about uh, website marketing. Uh,
1: so we are using um, Contentful for our website and moving to a headless CMS, which I'm nerding out on headless CMS right now. And we're using Gatsby and React. We've got Marketo for our email platform. We use Tableau. We also, on one of our websites, use Mode, which is a great analytics tool for marketing. So it's Mode Analytics. We're using Google Website Optimizer or Optimizely. Honestly, I can't remember for that, but we are have a huge testing program that we rolled out. We are talking to Qualified on the, uh, no offense, sort of chat functionality on the website. They're doing really interesting things with Qualified Leads and sending over. So we're having conversations with them right
0: now. Sorry, I'm 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 trying to talk to you, but now I'm three layers deep in your messaging person's uh, Ursula. Yeah, yes. she looks great.
1: She's awesome. She's worked with so many different companies of every size. It's just, and I've worked with her on several projects over the years at different companies, and it's nice to get someone who's doing messaging that thinks about messaging as that this is great. But what does it actually mean for your demand programs? Mm. And what does this mean for your website and what does this mean for your campaigns versus here is your messaging matrix on a, you know, a PowerPoint.
0: Yeah, right. And here here we're going to sit in a room, fill out some stuff together and you're going to get this PowerPoint, leave behind after and you should figure out what to do with it.
1: Yeah. And she's like, let me turn this into web copy for you. I was like, that's
0: why I like you. Sure. Yeah. There's a price for everything. Let's wrap up with this. This has been fantastic. People are going to love this. I already know it, which is what makes it even more fun. If you had one wish, this is my favorite question to ask people. If you had one wish you could solve any one marketing problem that has yet to be solved, what would it be? You can't say attribution. Everybody said that. Everyone every week says
1: attribution. No, um, one marketing problem. So this is something I think a lot about. I actually, the thing I hate about attribution is like, did sales do it? Does marketing do this? And I don't want to care. I don't want to care who did this. Did sales generate this? Did marketing generate this? I want to come up with a way for us all to say, there's goals, there's targets for driving pipeline. And it's not a fight over credit and attribution. So that's my like, the thing I hate is the, the credit fight of attribution. The other marketing problem that I think a lot about is I just want a lead scoring model that constantly like evolves and fixes itself and changes over time. And everyone says that they do it and they're constantly improving, but it just is still so manual and it's just still really manual.
0: What, what, what things change over time? Like so a as good a company one, changes, the lead scoring a, model changes.
1: If you think about, you know, cause we're knee deep in COVID, what made a good lead 10 months ago and what makes a good lead today are different.
0: Because like what? It could have been in somebody who went to an event and now you don't have an events?
1: It's the event side. It's also propensity to buy in the industries that have money and don't have money now. And Got the type it. of use cases and the velocity and scale is so, so different that we still have to think about that and go through an update and adjust versus be great if it just did it itself.
0: Right. Cause you're, you're probably having discussions internally about like, oh, Hey, we're a little bit behind. I wonder if we run a campaign at this segment. And then if you have people coming in from that segment that, that, you know, you should prioritize those conversations or blah, blah, blah. Cool. I think I got to them. How do you tell people who are not in this weird world that we live in marketing? How do you tell people what you do?
1: Oh, that's basically my entire family. (laughs) Uh, so what I do according to my family has changed over time. Uh, there was a time where my family used to say, "Oh, you work for Google, right?" <laughs> I was like, "No, I don't work for Google."
0: Was that or when you were doing like SEO SEM? like
1: yes. <laughs> Lauren works for Google. I don't work for Google.
0: Nope.
1: And then it was, well, Lauren works on the computer. That was true. And then Lauren works for Google. I do something with computers. The way I try to explain it is depending on the audience, it's easier to say what I do is put ads on the internet. Because people understand ads on the
0: Internet.: I know, but then the people are like, "Oh, I'm not sure I like her.
1: <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like ads on the Internet. Oh, I tried to explain PR to someone once, and they made it sound like I manipulate. I'm like manipulating the news, and I went, "That's not. Never mind." So what do I do? I help businesses with their data integration and integrity problems so they can make better decisions, and they're like, "So you work on computers."
0: Yeah. They're like, oh, whatever. The next question. I yeah. don't really care. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody seems to say that, that they, they, their family thinks they work on, on computers. Okay. Lauren, this was fantastic. You're awesome. You're awesome. And what you do is great to have you on and I'm glad we got this rescheduled. So I was going to ask you, this is the last question, uh-huh. one other marketing leader we can have on, but you already told me, but can you, can you say it again?
1: If you can get Rachel Thornton who leads marketing for AWS, she is absolutely, absolutely well, incredible.
0: Let me tell you the secret. The secret is if you can get Rachel, Rachel Thornton, because I'm gonna send you an email after and ask for an intro. So that's really how this goes.
1: I will I will definitely ping Rachel on that. And the other person that I would say who is phenomenal is Julie Legal, who's CMO at Slack.
0: Yep, that's two. I hit up, I hit Sarah, Sarah intro me to, to Julie, but <laughs> I'm somewhere I mean, in the, I'm somewhere in the spam folder right now.
1: You, I was going to say Sarah and Julie, but you know what? look at
0: the talent, the the names and the faces that we're putting up on this podcast, it'll only be a matter of time. Julie will be here. Who else do I really want to get? Janine from Zoom. We'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. It's okay. <laughs> people, people want this. Uh, Lauren Vackerall, you're, you're awesome. I'm glad we got to connect. Thanks to, thanks to Bill for, for, for mentioning you. And I, I'm glad we did this. So I will talk to you later leave us a review, leave a review for Lauren or, or tweet, tweet at her. Just say hello. Okay. Goodbye. Back to your, back to your CMO things. Don't go do some budgets or something. <laughs> Basically See you later. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this content, I have a whole lot more where that came from. It's in my private marketing group called DGMG. There's almost 2000 members in there. 80% of them are B2B marketers and it's been an amazing community that we launched over a year ago. Uh, I've already posted over 400 different types of content in there, articles, videos, blogs, podcasts. You can go and check it all out, patreon.com slash Dave Gerhardt. It's an amazing place to be. Plus, I do exclusive AMAs with these podcast guests in our group, and it's the only place I post the full transcript and show notes, so you might want to go check it out, patreon.com slash Dave Gerhardt. I also want to give a shout out and a thank you to our friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing at usehatch.fm. It's awesome. They're helping me with the show. It's why it sounds so great. You should go and check it out too. See you on the next episode.